Hello there, and welcome once again to Insight Peterborough. I'm Devin Wilkins. Insight Peterborough is a project of the Peterborough chapter of the Canadian Council of the Blind, CCB, as it is affectionately known. And if you'd like to find out more about the CCB, either locally or nationally, just send an email to ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. That's ccbpeterborough at gmail.com. And uh, yes, uh, we do have a lot of information about uh, events or anything having to do with people who are blind, deafblind, or partially sighted. But we do want you to know that we want to give other people a platform as well. So if you have something that you'd like to talk to people about and some information that you'd like to get out there, then by all means uh, give me uh, 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 an email, send me an email, at insightpeterborough at gmail.com insightpeterborough at gmail.com Well, Fighting Blindness Canada is always a very busy organization and uh, they want us to know about a few things that are happening, one of which will be taking place up in Fenland Falls. So here is my latest chat with Executive Director Doug Earl. Well, hi there, Doug, and welcome again to the program. Well, thank you. So um, the 13th to the uh, 15th of August sounds like an exciting weekend for you. Uh, what's yes, what's happening? Okay, and how do people, uh, is there still time to register? Uh, there is. There is time to register, uh, but it's going fast, of course. Uh, you must pre-register for the event that's, uh, that's happening on August 13th to the 15th. Uh, because of COVID restrictions, we have a, a ceiling on how many people, it's 100, that can be a part of the formal event. Uh, and uh, so registration is, is moving fast at rideforsight.ca. Okay, and uh, is there a deadline for registration or? Uh, not, no, no deadline, it's other than where I think we've got about 10, 10 to 15 spots left. Uh, uh, so about 80 plus people have registered so far. And uh, we are looking for the, the last few people to get in before the COVID restrictions. Right. Right. And what's planned for the weekend? Uh, well, it, it's quite a weekend. Uh, we have nine bands performing. Wow. Uh, yes. So uh, lots of different styles of music, 60s to the 80s, uh, blue, bluegrass, uh, country, uh, just different, different genres of, of music. Uh, so it, registration opens at 1 o'clock at the Fenland Fairgrounds. Okay. And... 
And the music on Friday night, there's five bands performing at 8 o'clock, starting at 8. Uh, and then registration reopens again at 9 a.m. on Saturday. And there's uh, a, a poker run uh, starting from the Legion in Finland Falls at 10 a.m. And now that's open to everyone. So anyone that wants to participate, drive, go for a great uh, motorcycle ride. Uh, there's a 250 top prize uh, if, if you have the best hand from the poker run. Uh, so you just uh, show up at the Legion at 10 a.m. and uh, you'll get the instructions to go from there. Uh, and then and then in the afternoon at the fairgrounds for the participants, there's a number of events. Six o'clock is our uh, fundraising superstars. We call them high milers dinner. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you've raised over $1,000 to support Vision Research, then we have a, a, a dinner to say thank you. And then at 8 p.m., uh, three bands are starting up. And at 11 o'clock is our 50-50 draw, uh, which, of course, everyone can participate in. Uh, you can buy them at the Legion or out the gate uh, on the fairgrounds. Now, can people still register for the 50-50 draw? I know you had your early bird draw the other day. Uh, well, yeah, that, that's a different draw. Oh, Say that uh, say that website again, Doug. certainly wish you lots of luck with that and hopefully you have really good weather that weekend fingers crossed yes
Oh, that's terrific. Now, you also wanted to talk about a, a, a report that um, is due to come out? Yes. So, of course, uh, the cost of vision loss and blindness uh, report was issued by uh, the Canadian Council of the Blind, Fighting Blindness Canada, Canadian Association of Optometrists, and the Canadian Ophthalmological Society. So the four organizations work together to update all of our numbers around uh, the cost of blindness using our 2019 data. And we're about to release our uh, COVID uh, impact. And, and it's, it's quite, uh, you know, the, the numbers themselves from 2019 showed that over 8 million Canadians are living with a blinding eye disease that could lead to blindness if not diagnosed early and or treated. Uh, and, and, of course, we know that there's been so many cancellations of, of appointments. Um, there's a hundred, over, almost 150,000 people had their cataract surgeries delayed. And so we, we've done a, uh, an analysis with Deloitte Access Economics, the world-leading uh, study group, uh, to prepare this report. Uh, we've taken the Canadian Institute of Health Information data uh, we've done key opinion leader surveys across the country with leading optometrists and ophthalmologists. Uh, we've done surveys of, of people living with uh, blinding eye diseases uh, in order to put together this report on just what happened, how many appointments got canceled between March and December 2020, what, what is the long-term impact of that, how many people went blind, and how many, how many people, uh, because of the delays in their surgeries uh, or other treatments uh, with, with cancelled anti-VEGF treatments, just, just what is the impact on the health system and on people living with blindness? So that, that report is coming out very shortly, uh, and you'll be able to update, to get the update at stopvisionloss.ca. That's stopvisionloss.ca. There's a petition also on that website around calling on the Canadian government to uh, develop a national vision health plan. Um, and, of course, I, I don't know, Devin, if you, if you knew that just uh, on July 23rd, the United Nations had a unanimous uh, vote uh, to pass Vision for Everyone, a resolution uh, around eye care, and where governments committed to greater efforts to make eye care services an integral part of universal health coverage and addressing the in increasing impact of vision loss on sustainable development. Uh -huh. so there's, a, there's over 2 billion people globally living with vision impairment or blindness, and at least 1.1 billion are living with vision loss because they did not get care uh, when they needed it. Oh, dear. And, uh, and so that, that's a huge challenge. And, of course, uh, you know, we're calling on the federal government, Justin Trudeau, and, and all the political leaders, Aaron O'Toole and others, uh, to step up. You know, Canada has made this commitment three times already. Uh, starting in 2003, uh, it, it voted at World Health Assembly uh, in order to develop this vision health plan. Uh, and now we have this UN resolution in the General Assembly on July 23rd. So it's, it's long overdue. Um, you know, in, in our cost of vision loss and blindness report, we showed that the number of people that have had it uh, uncorrectable vision loss went up by 50% in the last decade. Oh my. You know, we, we need, we 
the National Vision Health Plan. The federal government has said that and promised it three times. Now the fourth time on July 23rd, in, in when they voted in favor of this uh, vision for everyone UN resolution. It's about time, and we need it. And if you go to stopvisionloss.ca, you can sign the petition uh, demanding this vision health plan. So that you know, that in, in our report that we that we released in May, uh, we're expecting a 57% increase in the number of people living with uh, uncorrected vision loss, going up to two million people by 2050. And and you know, there's very simple policy changes that could happen that could could have an impact. On, on reducing that two million people living with uncorrectable vision loss, uh, and and that's why we're asking for the federal government to step up and actually do this national health care plan. Right, and this seems like a, the right time to do it, um, just prior to an election being a possible election being called uh, to focus people's attention. Uh, Absolutely, like there's, there is, you know, it's it, it's such a shame. Uh, we went from 750,000 to 1.2 million people. Uh, so basically, uh, you know, a doubling of the number of people living with incorrect, uncorrectable uh, vision loss. Because research has delivered uh, treatment for three out of four people if they're diagnosed early and they can have access to those treatments. Yes. So, so people, if you if you have age-related macular degeneration running in your family, glaucoma, cataracts. You know, if you diabetic, if you're living with diabetes, uh, you know, 20 years after diagnosis, uh, you have diabetic retinopathy for about 90% of the people with type 2, and type 1 is 100%. Wow. So these, these are all things that, that need a regular comprehensive eye exam to be monitored. And if at the earliest stages we can diagnose, there for three out of four, research has delivered treatment. And even in some cases, if it's early enough with diabetes-related vision complications, uh, we can restore the damage. So that so it's it's so unfortunate that that 50% number has has grown uh, to 1.2 million Canadians living with a vision loss, uh, and that that now there's eight over eight million people living with a blinding eye disease that if if not diagnosed or access treatment could lead to blindness. Right. And then there's the uh, Lexterna uh, petition that you you seem to uh, uh, think has uh, has stalled a little bit. Yeah, you know this, this is this is why fighting blindness uh, was formed. Parents uh, and families came together because it just wasn't good enough to get a diagnosis that you were going to go blind. That that they wanted to have something to do to have a treatment, and and now that treatment has happened. You know, the investment in research has paid off. Luxterna is the first targeted gene therapy approved by Health Canada uh, in October 2020. And it was very quickly afterwards recommended by the two agencies that make recommendations for public funding of new treatments, Madison and Ness. They did it within four or six weeks. It was turned over to the, to the office that negotiates on behalf of the provincial government uh, national framework deals, and and it's been sitting there at, at this office, this Pan Canadian Pharmaceutical Alliance office. Uh, normally, they say it takes 50 days for it to consider whether or not it's renegotiated. It's your days now, 
It was during how many days, Doug? Um, and that's why we've launched approved Lexterna.ca. Uh, we're encouraging people to, to go to the website, send an email if you haven't already. Uh, we had over 3,000, uh, 3,300 Canadians send those emails. They got us a meeting with the with this ten Canadian pharmaceutical alliance office. Uh, we pushed. Uh, you know, we we shared what was the barriers with with our community, with the doctors and and uh, the manufacturers. Uh, and, and, you know, progress was made. But we met again back in a few weeks ago in July. I've got another meeting scheduled uh, next week. And, and uh, just to keep the pressure up, and, and those emails are critical, making sure the premiers and health ministers tell this, this, organization, this office to do its job. It's well over 200 days. And every day that's living with this gene that's targeted, uh, is losing 10,000 photoreceptors. So every day they're needlessly losing photoreceptors that, that could survive and enable them to, uh, to maintain the site that they have. And set the precedent. This, this is the precedent. We're, we're following over 90 clinical trials, uh, treatments that are in, in labs being worked on around the world. And, and you know, if Canada can't provide public funding for these innovative new therapies, then there's a barrier for people to, to uh, be able to restore their sight. You know, with Lexterna, 90% of the people in the, the phase three clinical trials restored their night vision. Wow. It gave the, you know, it maintained the independence. It gave them back some independence at night. Uh, you know, and, and this is just a shame that a bureaucratic process is costing people and, and not helping encourage uh, the far, uh, other treatments to come to market. Um, it's so important that we get to get our voice out and approve Lexterna.ca. Yes, definitely. Okay, uh, let's go over these websites again, because I'm not sure people would have had a pen and paper uh, ready uh, to write those down. So to register for the Ride for Sight, the website would be Okay. For August 13th and 15th in Fenland Falls. All right. And then the next one was the uh, uh, report for the... Uh, yeah, uh, the, the cost of vision loss and blindness report in Canada and, and the COVID updates can be uh, found at stopvisionloss.ca. And that, that has a petition to uh, encourage the federal government to fulfill it commitment now made four times since 2003 to develop a national health strategy so we can stop blindness. Okay. And the Luxterna, to, to keep that petition going and put more pressure on the politicians to get meeting? Yes, that's approvedluxterna.ca, so approve. And then Luxterna is L-U-X-E-U-R-N-A. Okay, great. Now, is there anything else that you wanted to discuss? Well, just to share with you that we're so excited. Uh, we have a, a great uh, lineup coming in the fall. Uh, our comedy from the couch event is being held, and it's just for last has joined us as a, our entertainment partner. So we're very excited. 
competition, uh, which we'll make our announcement in November uh, based on what, what's the most meritorious and, and what we can fund, what we're able to raise this year to be able to fund those new research projects. So lots is going on, Devin. Lots yes. Lots is going on. Right. And what day did you say again the, the uh, right, comedy from the couches? It's Saturday, September 25th. Okay. Comedy from the couch. Uh, and, of course, at sightingblindness.ca under our vet tab, you can find out all this information. All right. Uh, and uh, it's going to be great. We're just so excited to have Jeff for Laughs as our partner, uh, bringing uh, some, some good laughs and support vision research. All right. That's great, Doug. Thank you so much for uh, chatting with us and bringing us up to date on the uh, various uh, things we can do to help save uh, vision from being lost in in so many ways. Well, well it's one is to prevent it. That's the first step. Yes. And then, and then if you've developed it, what can we do to, to restore it? Right. Restore sight. And, and there's just an amazing moment in time where these, where these uh, science theories are now becoming science reality with new treatments that, like Lixterna, uh, being approved by Health Canada as a treatment available in the country. Now we just got to remove that financial barrier so people can restore their sight. Right, yes. Okay, well, thank you very much, and I expect that uh, we'll probably be chatting again uh, closer to uh, comedy uh, from the couch. That would be amazing. Thank you, Devin. Okay, you take good care. Thank you. How many times... Have you carelessly thrown a pill bottle into the garbage can? Or maybe even a pair of old sunglasses? I know I've done it. Not anymore, though, because the East Peterborough Lions Club is collecting things like pill bottles and uh, glasses and hearing aids uh, to send to uh, be used in, by people in Africa and other uh, places around the world. I chatted with uh, President Frank Hewitt and two-year director Mike Briuk about the recycling program that is getting well underway. Well, I'm speaking with President Frank Hewitt of the East Peterborough Lions Club and as well uh, Director Mike Briou of uh, the East Peterborough Lions Club. And we're going to be talking a little bit about recycling. And I don't mean the kind where you just grab up a whole bunch of stuff and throw it in the recycle bin and that's that. This will be recycling for other people's use. So, uh, hi there, uh, guys. Hi, Devin. Hello. Welcome to the program. Thank you. So, Frank, you know, a long time ago, Helen Keller referred to the lions as being the knights of the blind, but we're a whole lot more than that, aren't we? We certainly are, Lion Devin. We've come on, we've had to branch out to different avenues to make sure that we always are serving everyone as much as we can. All right, that's great. And that's what uh, leads up to this business of uh, recycling. And uh, 
Micah, I hear you're our, um, I guess I could call you our uh, Ministry of the Environment. So can we start uh, by talking a little bit about sunglasses? I, I know, I think that people know that um, lions are traditional collectors of, of glasses. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, where um, people can drop them off and what you do with them when you uh, pick them up? We have little boxes at the, at the areas that we drop them off, and then um, we pick them up and they go to Lion Frank, and then oh. we ship them off to uh, different countries. Okay. Where do people drop them off? We have several locations around the community um, that are, are located in mostly optometrist stores, or they can give the Lions Club a call if they wish. Um, they're also collected from funeral homes. Collector, and they will call if we have boxes in there, and they'll call us when their box gets full, and we go in and we pick them up. Okay. Now, are we talking sunglasses, uh, prescription glasses, or are we talking everything? We talk everything. Um, sometimes what we do with the sunglasses, if they're, not, if they're not prescription sunglasses, we find a need for those by, uh, we give them to people to use, if we, or we can, you know, donate them to somebody else. Prescription glass sunglasses are packaged and wrapped and sent to other countries or even sent to different parts of our country to be reused. Okay. Uh, are the lenses removed once they get there, do you know, or do they just use the frames? Um, both, actually. It depends. They're, what they do is they grade the glasses. Um, and so they're graded by, by different degrees, and I'm, I, to be honest with you, I'm not sure of the degrees of these glasses. Um, and then they're, they're sent to where they may be needed most. Um, so if they're uh, like a prescription sunglasses, uh, it's not common to ship to a, a, what they call a third world country, um, whereas thicker glasses may be used sent to the third world country to help with eyesight issues where they can't get um, uh, uh, medical help in to fix their eyesight. Okay. So someone between here and there would decide where this or that pair of glasses goes, right? some of the, the stores here in town that are receptive to uh, 
taking recycled glasses. Mike, can you can you give me some suggestions? Um, the optometrist. Sorry, I'm having uh, the off, optometrist. It's a hard word to say. <laughs> yeah. All we have them in seven or six optometrists. Yeah, we have we have them in like six optometrists. Um, so yeah. Okay. All right. So now the next thing that we want to talk about is now we're uh, we're also recycling hearing aids. Is that right? Yes, we are. That's right, Nine Devon. Yep. What uh, happens with those? Exactly the same thing. They, we are converting our eyeglass deposit boxes to accommodate the um, hearing aids as well. Or we've also sent out posters, and we were doing that this afternoon. There will be posters going out to the um, hearing aid uh, stores or uh, to where they get your hearing tested, where we will drop off and they, with posters as well, where people can bring in their used hearing aids when they buy new ones. Okay. And should they leave the uh, batteries inside the hearing aids? Well, definitely. They also take the batteries because they can, they can reprogram some of the batteries. Or if there's leftover ones that don't fit in new ones, quite often, as you know, when you buy something, it, it, the updated model and the old batteries or the old ones don't fit. So quite often you're left with a few extra. So we encourage people to please to bring us back the batteries, and they're shipped off as well with the hearing aids. So that the new person who gets the, the new equipment for them has extra batteries as well. You just bring them in the way they are. You don't remove anything or anything like that. Don't need to do anything to them. Just bring them in exactly as they are. And even if they're not uh, in the best of shape, this, this, the company that we delivered them to, the Canadian Hearing, sorry, what is it, the Canadian Hearing International Hearing Services. Okay. And they will refurbish them if they can be, or they just reuse them for parts. Right. And do they go to the, the hearing aids go to the states as well? Uh, no, they don't, actually. The hearing aids get shipped right over from the international, which the Canadian, the international, uh, Canadian International Hearing Services have, com- have countries or contacts over in the different countries. Oh. They're shipped to different countries, all, all third world countries. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. They don't go to the states because the states also have the same program down there. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, that's good. And uh, do you have any specific names of hearing aid stores or whoever that will take them here in town or just... We don't right now because we're still working on that. We just got this up and running at the last, at the beginning of last month. Okay. And the basic idea was to get it out to Lions first. And the nice thing is that I've had two other clubs right now donate me two boxes of hearing aids. Wow. To donate, so I have about an extra 60 pair to be delivered this month. We haven't done ours here, um, and Mike was over today, and we were doing up the posters to to get out to now into the hearing uh, location. Yeah. Oh. Well, that's good. Yeah. Terrific. And then the uh, the final thing we wanted to talk about is something that most people have at one time or another: pill bottles. Uh, yes, so the pill bottles, the East Peebrel Lions Club is starting a new service, uh, well, new project service in the community. 
Okay. And um, what should happen to the pill bottles before you get them? Uh, so, uh, yeah, so the, before we collect the pill bottles, we want you guys to uh, uh, clean them, like take the labels off and take uh, uh, the reduced stuff that's inside the pill bottles and rinse that and then uh, put them in a package and then uh, then call us and then Okay. Um, what's the best way of taking of getting the labels to come off? Uh, there's stuff called Gooby Gone. It takes the takes the glue right off the the pill bottle. Oh, okay. So do you pour it over the uh, pill bottles, or do you have to? You you just rub it. Well, you take your cloth and then you just rub it in, and it should it should come right off. Okay. And use hot, hot water yeah. to wash the rest, to wash the, the film off there. Oh, I see. All right. That sounds good. And uh, pill bottles of any size? Any size? Any, uh, any, any color? color? Yep. Yeah. Now, what happens, Ryan Devin, when we collect that, again, it's another new project. Um, we're, we're really working on recycling, re- reduce, recycle, and reuse. Yes. What we do with the pill balls, when they come in, we have to, we sort them, um, and then when we ship them, we have to put them up in big freezer bags and put all these same color ones together oh. and, uh, and same sizes together. Then we package them up, we box them up, sorry, label the box, we ship them to a, a church in the U.S. who ships them over to Africa once they have, again, another container load, they ship them all at once. Over to, and one of the biggest countries they do, I think, they, I believe, is Africa. Um, because they do not use pill bottles over there. Really? To expect them. Oh. So most of the people, when they go in to get their pills, they're handed their pills in their hand. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there's no, no package, no nothing. So that's why we got into this, to try and help them. Yeah, taking them in their hand isn't too sanitary, is it? Oh, it's not. <laughs> no, uh, we should be uh, thinking that we're lucky over here that we don't get them that way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, so um, I don't know about anybody else, but I have a, a bag uh, with empty pill bottles in it on the back of my bathroom door. Oh. And um, uh, when I get the chance, I will... Uh, get them to now. How do we get them to you? Uh, you could phone us or uh, email us. Okay. Um, do we have a, a phone number and uh, or an email address? Oh, the phone number is seven zero five nine five seven one three three zero, and the email address is uh, mopar four five one at hotmail dot com. M O P A R. Four five one at hotmail dot com. M O P A R four five one four five one at hotmail.com. Okay, and I'll just give you the phone get you to give me the the phone number again. Seven oh five. Yep. Nine five seven one three three oh. Seven oh five nine five seven one three three oh. All right, that's great. And these are all projects that you think will 
um, will be ongoing projects, yes? District A3, Correct. how uh, far does that district extend? District A3 runs from uh, Curtis up to Napanee, and then north up to Denby, Griffith, and Bancroft area. It's uh, 50 clubs right now. Yeah, so, so that's a, a fair distance. They're one of the biggest districts in our multiple District A. Wow, that's great. So if we all uh, work together and cooperate a little bit, um, we'll um, be able to provide people with all sorts of good stuff for their better health. Right, and it also helps to keep it out of the landfill. Oh, it sure does, and that's so important. To the whole program is keeping it out of the landfill in our own country and sending it to other countries to be reused. And again, there's no reason that if the pill walls are still in great shape, there are uh, lines clubs in those countries that can look at doing the same thing, whereas the pill bottles can be reused and reused as long as they're clean. That's for sure. Uh, okay, is there anything else that I should uh, that we should be talking about? Um, I don't believe so right now. Other than we are working on a new project uh, for backpacks, donating backpacks. Um, as well, we are working on Alliance Yard Sale. Uh, but towards to raise funds for the both guide dog programs that we we donate to. Mm-hmm. Um, and today, Mike and Mike and his crew just got finished doing a, uh, a, a trail cleanup, picking up garbage along the the Crawford Rail Trail here this morning. Oh well, that's great. So uh, lions are always busy. Oh well, as the saying goes, lions have we serve. We sure do. <laughs> there you go. Thank you for uh, to both of you for uh, being uh, with me and explaining these projects. And uh, this is something that I'm going to uh, be able to play fairly often. Oh, great. Because if they're ongoing projects, well, we'll just um, uh, carry on and uh, fit, fit this in whenever we can. Thank you very much for all your help promoting the club and promoting the projects we do. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to do it. Proud to do it. Thank you. I want to tell you now about a project that I am working on with the radio station that produces the other show that I do called Spotlight on Assistance Dogs. And the reason I want to share it with you is that It could benefit you if you're into Olympics and Paralympics coverage. This will definitely benefit you. It's a podcast that I'll be running during the 
uh, course of the Paralympic Games called Paralympic Update. And uh, hopefully I can get information from around the world. And uh, I think that the best way for me to tell you briefly and concisely uh, about what this is, is to let you hear the promo that uh, we've worked on. So here it is. 2020年も待たずに開会式が始まるかのような雰囲気だ。Hi there. I'm Devin from Canada. Have you been enjoying the coverage of the Summer Olympic Games from Tokyo, Japan? And what a fight for second. Here they come, Mary. Anna Marcella Cunha takes the gold. Do you realize that the upcoming Paralympics won't be covered nearly as extensively? Not to worry, though, because once again, the global voice will come to the rescue. Oh, yeah! Beginning August 23rd and for the duration of the Paralympic Games, I'll be doing a daily podcast called Paralympic Update. I'll be featuring articles about athletes, up-to-date medal counts, and perhaps even the odd interview. You'll be able to enjoy the podcast by checking the program gallery each day or by using your favorite podcasting software to ensure that the podcast goes straight into your inbox. That's Paralympic Update, provided for your listening pleasure by the Global Voice, radio for all. As you know, from time to time, we like to feature specific technical devices and uh, get people to demonstrate them uh, who have used them and know what they're all about. And uh, this time we're going to talk about a device called eSight and um, someone who has used that is Leslie Yee. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Devin. So tell me, what is eSight? So eSight is wearable technology where it's like a pair of goggles that go on in front of your prescription glasses. It's all built into the goggle, though. It's not like you have to wear your glasses and then put this over top of it. Okay. So your prescription is built into the goggle itself, and it's attached to a small battery and computer module that sits on your side in a bag and um, it, it, there's a cable that goes from the goggle to the device itself. Okay. But it means you can get up and walk around and be able to look at things and uh, read things, get details of things. So it's designed for anybody with low vision who has lost their central vision. So due to macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, there's about 10 different, 12, 10, 12 different conditions that um, people can get that this device would work for. 
So my understanding of how it works is it takes what you see through your peripheral vision and then replaces the holes in your central vision so it completes the picture for you rather than your brain trying to complete the picture. Okay. So um, you can put this on and be able to see a person's face again that you normally can't see Mm -hmm. or read a book or read a recipe or do your bills or pay your bills. You can work on the computer screen or watch TV. You can even plug this in directly to the TV and the TV then is right in your goggle. Cool. And the same with your computer. You can plug it into your computer through an HDMI and you can see the computer screen right on your goggle as well. Wow. And movement of your head will help give you some movement around the screen. Ah, As opposed to having to move your mouse all the time. You still need both. But um, you can also move your head sideways. Same with the TV. You can move your head left to right, up and down to be able to see all parts of the screen when it's magnified. Because you know when things are magnified, you see a smaller area of that object. Yeah. Right? Because you're making it bigger. So in order to see a full TV screen... If you need to go to um, three or four times magnification, you're going to lose the outside of the screen. Ah, okay. So what this does, as you do that, as you're focusing in on the center of the screen, if you turn your head left, it'll move you to the left part of the screen, the right part of the screen, up and down. Mm -hmm. So they've incorporated that. That's a great technology to have incorporated in there. Yeah. So um, a couple of things that it's not. It's not... Uh, useful for someone like me who has no vision. That's right. You have to have some vision. And in fact, it works best for people uh, 20 over 800 would be iffy if it will yeah. even work for you. Ah. But roughly 20 to over 800 to 20 over uh, 60, I, I believe, is what they kind of recommend. Okay. Um, so it really works great for people with low vision where they don't maybe necessarily need a cane or a guide dog or anything, but they definitely struggle with not having that central vision, mm-hmm. but their peripheral vision could be good. So they just need to be able to see faces and read things and read signs, and mm-hmm. this definitely will do that for you. Yeah. Uh, but it's not good for walking uh, mobility, is it? No, you don't actually use the eSight to walk. So the eSight flips up and down in front of your glasses. So when you're walking, you would flip it up so you, it's, you can just move your eyes up to look through it, but then you move your eyes down to look through your prescription glasses yeah. or underneath the goggle if you don't need prescription glasses uh-huh. and to, to walk because looking through the goggle, everything is magnified. So you might have it magnified to be able to read the sign at the end of the street. So if it's magnified that high, if you're walking, you'll, of course, lose your step because everything would look closer than it really is. Yeah, it would really mess up your depth perception, Exactly. So you look through the bottom of the underneath the goggle, I should say, Mm -hmm. through your prescription to do walking, which is normally what you do anyways. And we always use our peripheral vision to walk. We don't use central vision to walk. Yeah, that's interesting. I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah. So your central vision, which is the center of your eye, and it's the smallest part of your eye, is really there for getting details. Okay. So it's your reading. It's um, to read the license plate of a car, for example, to read a book, see a face. So that's your central vision. And then walking around is the big picture stuff. Okay. So you use your peripheral vision in order to walk around. So that's why it's okay to walk without it. 
But to wear it when you're walking, it will allow you to walk down the street, look up and look through your goggle to read a sign, or read the bus that's coming towards you to find out what bus it is. So you can see that it's your bus that you want to catch. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. And what else will, will, will it help you read? Well, um, yeah, so you can sit, if you love to read novels, you can still sit down on, a, on your couch or your comfy chair with your book in normal position, which is mm-hmm. on your lap. Right. And you just put the magnification where you need it, and it will help you read. So the other thing that this device will do for, is it changes the color like a CCTV machine does. Mm-hmm. So it will, you can read in normal which is how you would normally see with all your colors, and and it's fast. It's not like you're looking at a video. It actually feels like you're looking through glasses, Ah. although you're not. You're really looking at a a video. There's a small camera in the front that's recording everything, and it's so fast, it's it's almost like it's at the same speed at the same time. Yeah. But it can now change... If you're reading or anything, you can change it to black on white, white on black, uh, yellow on blue, and uh, depending on how you see best. So if you mm-hmm. need to read something and you just need to change it to black on white, you can adjust that, sit and read it in black on white. Now, if you were doing something like um, sewing or knitting, could you use it for that? Absolutely. So huh? anything where you need to see that detail or mm-hmm. look closely at something, definitely eSight will help you with that. Yeah. Not that you can't do those things without sight, but if you're not used to doing them without sight, it's good to have the magnification to use what... Uh, residual vision you have. Yeah, in fact, you know, if you have lost your sight or are losing your sight a little bit later on, mm-hmm. and it's hard to sometimes learn new technologies or learn new way of doing things. So literally by wearing eSight, the only thing you have to get used to is learning to just manage between the goggle part and walking around looking underneath the goggle part. Right. So it's learning that, which is very minor compared to learning new technology. Using the device is very easy and very straightforward. Mm-hmm. So um, if you, yeah, so if you're older and you're losing your vision, you can wear eSight and carry on with your daily activities as if you hadn't lost your sight. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it replaces your central vision. It puts all the detail back in there for you. Uh, would it help in the kitchen uh, with regard to measurement and stuff like that? Yes, because you can mm-hmm. read your measuring cups, your spoons. You can look at, open a drawer, look in it, and actually find things. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, rather than just feeling around for everything. Yeah. It, it definitely helps in the kitchen. Reading your recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I often use mine in the kitchen. If I have to do something with a lot of reading, yeah. then it's so much easier than trying to... Do a handheld magnifier because right. this is this is hands free. Yeah, uh, there's a little case to carry the computer part in, which I sling over my shoulder, like cross chest, you know, yeah. over mm-hmm. the shoulder. I yeah. have the goggles on my head, so my hands are completely free. Uh-huh. So I can go about do my daily routine and have the goggles on and uh, be able to read things and and pick things up and read them and mm-hmm. yeah yeah you don't have to worry about it. And it's not a heavy device. No, it's just, it, the whole thing together is really under a couple of pounds. Yeah. Now, the one I have is actually Generation 1, so it's one of the first model that hit the market, because I've had mine for several years now. 
and since then they're now at generation three. So the computer pack is about half the size of mine. Wow. So it's even lighter. And the goggle part is a lot smaller. So mm-hmm. they're getting them closer and closer. They don't look like sunglasses necessarily, but they're closer and closer to that size. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so uh-huh. they're much smaller and uh, more manageable as well that way too. And pro- probably something we should mention is that they're made here in Canada. Yes, they were invented by a gentleman in, and I believe it's Montreal, mm-hmm. or the Montreal area, who's, he had two sisters who had Stargardt's. And he, I guess as, as an engineer, he always said, someday I'll invent something for you to help you see. Yeah. And uh, it took him 10 years to get it to the stage of the one I have. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from there, it's just done really well. And now they sell to, I can't even tell you how many countries around the world. Wow, they that's sell. super. Yeah, so they've, they've done really well. So it's come a long way in even a short time from when this first one was launched. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, before we talk about where to go to, to get something like this, um, is there anything else that it that it can do that we haven't talked about um no i think we've talked about everything that it can do i will say though that the new versions are even more clear and more crisp than this current one so it's like all technologies they get better and better so they're getting smaller and sleeker yeah crisper looking and uh, cleaner looking um, even faster, I think, in the video streaming of it. Right. Even though I think mine is super fast. It's yeah. Probably even faster. So it's uh, it, it's seamless. Right. A little bit more. Yeah. So it, uh, I will mention that that uh, the newer ones are really good. Now, can you get this uh, eSight through the assistive devices program? No, unfortunately, you cannot. Mm-hmm. And I do know they've been advocating to try to get it through that program, but yeah. they haven't been able to yet. So it is something that you have to get out of your own pocket. Or a lot of people fundraise. They they do the GoFundMe page. Oh, yeah. And have raised money. And there's a lot of people out there raising money for people who need eSight. Uh, perhaps a group or an organization in your area can help you raise money for yeah. it. Uh, it is an expensive device. It's um, up and over ten thousand dollars so it uh, you know it it definitely does cost some funds but like I said you know if you um, if if you have low vision and you're just struggling really struggling with losing that central vision this is something that can really help you super and where do you get it so you can look up eSight online. It's small, small e, then S I G H T. What was that? Like a hyphen between the no, e? No, there's no hyphen. No. Oh, okay. No. All right. And um, if you just look up eSight, you'll see it very quickly. You can then call for an appointment. Of course, you would get an appointment to try it to make sure it works for you. It does not work for everybody. It depends on the disease that you might have yeah. or your eye condition. But um, or the amount of uh, acuity that you do have, so um, but you definitely would make an appointment um, and uh, try it out. And I know when I went for mine, I mean I was able to take my time and you know try it out for a while. Yeah, 
Unfortunately, you can't just try somebody else's because my own prescription is built into it. Uh-huh. Uh, but they'll modify the, the demo one to suit your own prescription. Oh, that's good. And then allow you to try it out. Yeah. Now, did you have to go to Montreal or did they come to you? Um, when I went, I met somebody in Toronto. Okay. Um, whether they come, they might be able to come to you, depends where you live. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. So, but making that phone call and setting up a, a time to uh, meet somebody is the best thing to do. All right. Okay. Is there anything else that we should be mentioning about it? Um, no, I think it, that pretty much covers everything. But yeah, right. it's, uh, it, you know, if, if somebody thinks that um, the, the, the neat thing about this is it can replace a lot of assistive devices, uh, other items. Yeah. Yeah. So it might be something that if, if somebody is in, at the beginning stages of losing their vision, they might want to look at doing something like an ESI before they invest in any other items right? and see if it works for you. And it, it has so much magnification in it. It grows with you. Uh-huh. So if you start losing your vision and you over the next five years, you're going to lose more vision. Eight, you just increase magnification as you need it. Super. So it, yeah. it's not like it's, it's only going to work for a year and not work. Mm-hmm. You know, unless something drastic happens to your eyesight. Right. Right. Yes. But yeah. if it's just the normal prog- progression, then it's something that could last you for many, many years. So it's definitely worth looking into before you, as one of your devices, and yeah. it might be the device for you, and you then you don't need any other devices. Right. Yeah. And um, it comes with its own rechargeable battery? Yes, it does. I just plug it in, and mm-hmm. it, it charges it right in the, the case. I never have to remove the battery or anything like Super. that. Eastside's also been very good with me with uh, and with most people that I've talked to for um, their aftercare service. Oh. So if I'm struggling, sometimes my eSight needs a tune-up. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. um, what they do is they send me a temporary eSight. Oh, and uh, I just package all this up in that box and send it back to them. It's never costed me a cent. Wow! When they when they've done their tune up, they've sent it back to me, and then I just send them back the again in that box yeah. and, and return it. But they make all the arrangements. So I've always had very been very well taken care of by the company for anything that they need afterwards. Good. Okay. Well, thanks for coming to talk to us about eSight. You're welcome. Thank you. And that does uh, this edition of Insight Peterborough. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, have yourself a good week. Bye for now.